Many things are changing at West Brom this summer. The owner is looking to sell. We don't know who is coming and who is going to be leaving the Hawthorns in what is going to be an uncertain few months. But one thing's for sure, the Baggies broadcast is back. Hello and welcome to Season 7 of the Baggies broadcast. My name is Johnny Drury. We're back for another series. And as always, I'm delighted to be joined, well, not alongside, across the computer screen from the Albion correspondent for the Express and Star, Lewis Cox. Coxie, it's been a while since we sat down for one of these. How are you, my friend? I'm hoping you're recharged, fully firing, pre-season under your belt, ready to go for another season in the... The Albion ENS hot seat. I'm good, Johnny. Yeah, thanks for asking, mate. I hope you are. It's been a little while, one of these, hasn't it? Looking forward to getting stuck into it. Pre-season under my belt, not quite. We've got a few trips to come, haven't we? Um, I've got an, we've got an exciting one tomorrow. Little uh, little pre-season training trip, obviously to Burton, as as listeners will know. Albion are based out there at the moment, and and then we've got the friendlies to come, haven't we? And to be honest, from tomorrow and and, and onwards, it'll just be a good chance to to speak with a head coach, to speak to Carlos, to see where things are. Obviously, there hasn't you know, understatement of the year. Understatement of the whole podcast series season to come. There hasn't been much movement yet, um, which, you know, is a frustration to, to people, no doubt, uh, including ourselves. But that's that's where we are, yeah. So pre-season, not quite under my belt, but ready to go, yeah, Johnny, ready to go, ready to get stuck into games and that. I've missed it, to be fair. It's been a while, hasn't it? It certainly has. It certainly has indeed. Well, you've got a nice holiday under your belt. Anyway, nice relaxing yeah. relaxing summer holiday. We're back and we're ready to get stuck into it. Ready to get annoyed, ready to get frustrated, ready to celebrate. Well, celebrate hopefully a few wins this season for Albion, but we'll uh, we'll see how things go. Um, and we're, we're back with, well, action returned last weekend, really. I was going to say action returned this weekend, but Albion played Port Vale in a behind-closed-doors friendly last week. They're playing Shrewsbury this week, and then the fans will be allowed back in from next Tuesday when they play Cheltenham. And things will really start to ramp up. And the new series, we're going to discuss the latest goings on today, build through um, what's, like Coxie said, not a lot been happening in terms of personnel, but there's been other stuff happening behind the scenes, chats with with the MD, uh, talk of the, the club sort of being sold or a, a fee being put there by Gouch and Lai. So we'll talk about all that today. And what we're going to do is answer your burning questions that have been bugging you all summer long. We've got plenty of them to go through. The quiz is going to be back in a few weeks' time. Now, just as a little bit of a teaser, we uh, we recorded uh, the first TJ Smithy quiz of the, the the season yesterday. It was a head-to-head between me and Coxie. And I have to say, to start the series, it, well, you're not going to hear it today. It's going to be out in a few weeks' time. But it smile was a thriller. Coxie smiling at me now. Scott's is smiling at me now, but we'll keep that one <laughs> under under wraps. Um, Not to give too away, but I wasn't able to sleep last night. <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> tune, tune in in a few weeks' time to to hear that one. Um, fantastic performance by a certain someone. We're not mentioning any names. Um, we'll be we'll be looking to bring you a few odd guests through the series as well. We brought you the the summer guest series um, this time, which we hope you really enjoyed. Concluded with Martin Albrookson last week. Um, we've sort of been in discussions with a few other people, a few sort of ex-managers and players um, that we're hoping to get on throughout the season to have a bit of a say on all things all things Albion. Um, the Baggies Broadcast Fan Chat Show will be back soon as well. We'll be bringing you, bringing you that just before the start of the regular championship campaign. Uh, but in these first few episodes, it's going to be a little bit shorter. We're going to be discussing a couple of key topics um, and then answering a lot of your questions because we've had an awful lot through over the last week ahead of this first episode. So in... This first one of the series, of Series 7. can't believe there's been seven series, Coxie. Obviously, me and you come together on the last one. 
shout outs to all the people who have come before Joe Massey, yeah. Matt Wilson, uh, Luke Hatfield, all those that have, uh, have started it way back when it was or series one, whenever that was. Ago, probably when Albion were in the Premier League, but we won't discuss them days. Um, so yeah, we're going to discuss a couple of topics to start this uh, this series, and the first one's going to be uh, Mark Miles, new managing director, sat down with Coxie um, and the press last week, and um, we discussed a little bit of this, um, previewed it on a video last week, and the following day, Coxie was down at the Hawthorns alongside Joe Chapman from the Birmingham Mail, Rob Gurney from BBC WM to talk with Mark Miles, and here's just a little clip of uh, of what Mark had to say. My role was very much running the, the non-footballing side, so looking at all the operations, the marketing, the commercial side. Um, so that was what I was very much focused on beforehand. But you cannot be a director of the football club and not be involved in the, the footballing side that goes with it. So Ron very much looked after the football elements uh, and I looked after the non-football. Clearly in this new role now, I've got the overview of both of those. Um, so what I've been able to do is obviously um, promote Ian Pearce into the head of football role. So whereas Ian previously looked after the head of recruitment, um, the recruitment side of it, he now looks after everything. So the recruitment of players in, also players going out, but also having that day-to-day -day relationship with Carlos, which is imperative, which is really, really important for me because Ian was part of the recruitment part of Carlos and had that day-to-day -day relationship. So Ian and Carlos work very closely together. Then my role is a little bit more strategic now being able to um, take that pragmatic approach to some of the decisions that we need to make so we can get the balance between what we need from a footballing side to be competitive next season, um, but also making sure that we keep the club on an even keel financially. I think I'd be lying to say there's no challenges ahead because there clearly are. Um, we've got um, obviously challenges we need to um, move with players to be competitive next season. Um, but I think we're in a real positive place. Uh, I think one of the things which is great uh, for the football club is the number of season ticket holders we have. So we, uh, we have the best season ticket sales at this stage uh, for 10 years. Uh, and that's with the backdrop of the cost of living crisis um, that goes with it. We're at 16,500. Um, hopefully those numbers will continue to grow before we start the season. The commercial sales and hospitality are really positive and ahead of where they were last year already. Um, and obviously we launched shirts and the away shirts this week and those sales have been positive as well. So I think there are some challenges off the field, we all accept that, but in terms of what we're doing, I and the staff here will do an absolute utmost to, to put the club first, to move the club forwards and have a positive season going forwards. There we go, first time Mark Miles has sat down with the press, thanks to uh, to, to Coxie, to, well, say to Joe Chapman of Birmingham Mail as well, and BBC WM's Rob Gurney for for that audio there. Coxie, just, just first off, first time you got a chance to sit down with the, the man who's sort of making all the key decisions at the Hawthorns at the moment um, in terms of day-to-day -day running. First impressions straight off, what did you what did you make of it? Sure, yeah, first of all, um, you know, great of the club and Mark Mars himself to obviously, you know, facilitate that chat. It's it's something that we appreciate and shouldn't take for granted, I think, because there's, there's a world where it doesn't happen um, with, I suppose, a different, different, people in charge, different people in that role. So we should appreciate that. We're obviously able to to ask what what we wanted. And you know, listeners heard heard a bit there. That was the that was the radio section that kicked off the interview. Obviously we supplemented that with questions that can be can be read online. No doubt listeners already will have. Um yeah, look, you know, Mark sat in the room and shook our hands and and took the questions and I thought answered them. You know, pretty uh, uh, as honestly as he could, really, and answered every every question. Um, you know, questions obviously weren't 
wholly positive. It wasn't, you know, obviously the, there are sections that, you know, there are the odd bits that, that aren't, you know, that, that aren't totally negative and doom and gloom, but there's difficult, difficult times, challenges on the table, you know, questions about finances and, and many offshoots of that, obviously the ownership and investment and sales and, he answered it as best he could. Look, we, we know, and we said the same last season, didn't we, about about his predecessor, Ron Gourlay. We, we know that Mark isn't um, involved in terms of directorship at group level. And that's a hindrance, really, when you're having these type of interviews, because obviously there are sections you can't, can't answer. And we understand that. And that's unfortunate that we can't get those answers or speak to those people, I should say. But... Yeah, look, in terms of what he could answer at a club level, obviously there's a lot of interesting stuff, really, when it came to the football side of it, when it came to recruitment. And I suppose that's a frustration as well at the minute, isn't it, to supporters and listeners, because there's been no movement yet and nobody in. And, and yeah, we obviously we, we would like to bring that. But, um, yeah, yeah, fair play to him for him to, to fronting up, to answering. We hope it's something that will, that will continue, Johnny. Um and, and yeah, just answering the questions as, as, as best as he could. I think that deserves, you know, certainly deserves to be to be stated. You know, we, we appreciate having the opportunity because, you know, in another world, it, we might not have that chance. No, there is, a, we mentioned on the video last week, there's a, you know, there, there was a lot of scepticism around when Mark Miles was sort of moved into this role or, or you know, it was put onto his, for want of a better word, the pile of Warren Gourlay's work was put onto his desk, really, um, in terms of the shift around at the Hawthorns following Gourlay's departure but I think what you said there you know like we said in the video last week the proof will be in the pudding in terms of what happens you know moving forward but he was pretty blunt he didn't dress anything up I thought from what I've listened to and, and from you know from what I've read so far and what what will be coming out in the, over the next couple of weeks with what you guys got last week you know and I think he's the way he spoke about Carlos Corbran as well I thought was one thing that I picked out you know that he's very much on board and Albin have been pretty honest with him. You know, we're all frustrated that nothing's really happened in the transfer window so far, but Albin have been pretty honest with him and he's, he's sort of accepted it. And there seems to be an acceptance of Albion's situation really. And right, this is, this is what we've got. This is what we're going to have to work with. You know, you look at some of the statements he's made at the story in the Express Star today about, you know, gathering yeah. together in adversity and stuff like that. It's, it's just a react waking up to the reality of the situation and that's a lot yeah. of what I, I took out of it I'm not sure about yourself yeah I mean look Carlos Corbin obviously linked with linked away this summer and I think there's a degree of uncertainty for a period certainly probably until the, the players and, and everybody came back obviously Leeds went in a different direction but Carlos and his people you know wouldn't be daft that they'd have when they'd have took the job when as last season unfolded certainly in the, the latter parts of it they'd have been well aware what the situation is for for the next season for this season um, what they were being left to deal with in the summer transfer window, which let's be honest, isn't a lot. You know, they've been aware well before we were with the accounts that um, that the summer is going to be based on you know, any fund sales. We've seen obviously one big one already, um, the loans and free agent market. So they'd have been well aware of this. This is none of this sort of last few weeks, couple months will come of any surprise to the Spaniard. Um, and I suppose he would have had time, Carlos, to become on board with it. He knew what he was entering, getting into. Obviously, um, from January, elected to or February, so got that new deal, elected to stay at the club. Summer, um, more links leads have gone gone a different way. So, so Carlos is is here, and he's got to work with what he's got to work with. Unfortunately, you know, you know, but 
the hope of every Albion fan is it turns around into a he can turn it around into a positive situation uh, and Albion have to you know be smart as we've said and that's down to Carlos and and obviously Ian Pierce isn't it as well you know we spoke about Mark Miles there and speaking on the football side of it yeah he's, he's not worked in a football role before has he he's worked at a football club for many 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 years two decades but the log- logistical side of it um off-field matters so this is a, it's a new role for him um, and it more leans within the football side. However, obviously Ian Pierce with that promotion to, to head of football operations, that's a, that's a bigger, more wide-reaching role for Ian Pierce. So it is, it's as we said before, Johnny, it's, it's a big period for him and a big you know move and role for him. Covers more things now, covering all the football department side of it. So yeah, we we're as frustrated as the listeners, as the supporters, aren't we, Johnny? In in terms of you know we want to report on exciting signings however they come be it a you know, good free agent or be it a talented premier league loan um or another highly rated player from lower down the divisions we want it obviously we want to report on that and it hasn't happened yet it, it will happen um be it later july or even into august which is it, as we're going to get onto it's just not ideal is it because the season will be here before we know it you know the the main training camp's already here you know we're, we're speaking in it now and it's not ideal. There's no way to dress it up, but it, you used the word reality, didn't you? And that's it's just where we are, Johnny. But I, I think you're right about Carlos buying into it. it. To a point, he's not really got, got much of a say because this is where he is, isn't it? This is where the club are. You can't dig an extra couple of million down the back of the sofa to spend on a budget because obviously it's not there. Um, so he's got to make it happen. Look, he, he made things happen last season when he came in, didn't he? And now the, the belt's tightened and constraints, I suppose, continue to grow. The, the, the picture in the ground continues to move, obviously, with the news we, we brought, obviously, a few weeks back now, wasn't it? And, and Mark Mar spoke of this last week about the investment and looking for the sale and the valuation of the club. And, you know, I think everyone involved with Albin just hopes that progresses, don't they? Everyone wants to see movement there and that changes the whole landscape. But in, in the here and now, as we are, you know, I'm sure the head coach, I know the head coach and his team and the likes of Ian Pierce and obviously Mark Mars as well doing what they can to try and get things in place as best they can but it's a very difficult landscape it's almost as if you read the notes that i send you before we do these podcasts well, Coxie. I, I, it wasn't to be honest mate. <laughs> but, you know, it's just um yeah it's it's the the harsh reality of of where where we are isn't it it certainly is well we'll move quickly well swiftly on to what you've just been mentioning there that we've we've got on our list you know the other big sort of story at the moment obviously not a lot of signings coming in is the fact that Gouch and Lai has sort of valued Alvin at sixty million pound, you know, we've had this talk of investment. Mark Miles said um, in one of his in, one of the pieces that you've done earlier this week, Lewis, that he's sort of confident there will be interest in Alvin. Mm-hmm. Spoke about Alvin, you know, very recently being a former Premier League club, which is very true. You know, they've only been out of the Premier League for a couple of seasons now. You know, maybe not still. This is a conversation for another day, but maybe still not not now one of the biggest fishes in the Championship, but still a pretty big one in the pond. Um, yeah. I just wanted to get your opinion on it, really, in terms of that 60 million valuation that's come out in the last few weeks. We've had this, we haven't really known for a while, you know, when it's come to discussions about lie selling, you know, it's been sort of pretty quashed straight away by supporters because they think lie is going to try and want to recoup the majority of the money that, you know, the 180, 200 odd million that he paid for Albion. This is the first time we've got a figure, you know, what what's your impressions on, on that and the, the current situation? Do you know what, Johnny, it, it wasn't... Um... A figure or anything that, that surprised me really i think it's more reality um where the club are i think i was perhaps a little surprised in terms of 
the news being made made public. Obviously, Mark Mars had meetings with with fan groups, didn't he? And I, I know it was spoken about there. And obviously, brought into the domain, we reported um, the valuation and things like that. Everyone I speak to about this, um, including people um, in football but not not connected to the to the club, let's say, um, they're obviously aware of Albion's financial issues, but they won't. You know, they won't be too aware of it. They'll be aware from it, watching from afar. And whenever I mention you know, the club and it's, it's being for sale and it's, it's valuation. You know, everyone has the same reaction. You know, this this is West Bromwich Alvin. You know, this is a, a has been and is typically a top top tier club. You know, in in this generation, certainly, arguably the one before that. You know, this is post nineties I'm talking about, and then obviously before the nineties. Um, yeah, you know, I'm not gonna get all misty eyed and sort of cliched about this, but there, yeah, it's a real bastion of English football isn't it you know, all of this and, and we know the, the problems obviously we know the problems more than people um, away from the club but everyone I speak to is is shocked at the valuation actually um, you know they're, they're aware that it costs significantly more than that you know just what five six seven years ago um, and that's that's how the you know yes we can say you know, lie overpaid for, for whatever reason and I'm sure obviously that's the case but it, the landscape is, is highly different now, isn't it? And but I think for an establishment like West Bromwich Albion to be on the market of that figure, and yes, you know it's I don't know what word to use. I don't say damaged or tainted or whatever. But there are obviously loans to you know the MSD loan and um, outstanding monies to pay for the players still in the door, aren't there? And the assets, you know, you could argue not not worth too much you would say at the moment certainly in comparison to recent years um but my opinion is still that it's uh you know for for would-be investors or owners even from overseas we know there's um big us sort of interest in in english football at the moment and taking on clubs west bromwich albion regardless of yeah third year in the championship two bad finishes all of that um is still a it's still a name it's still a it's still a club that if taken over by the right people who are the right finances and getting it right, getting the right people in, things could change quickly, couldn't they? Let's be honest. You know, the one summer, whichever summer it were, be it this or next or the one after, you know, someone comes in with, with the clout, can look after obviously the books, um, be able to recruit the right kind of people. Things could change swiftly in one season. And you know, they, you could argue as each year go, goes by, that gets tougher as the squad, you know, might diminish further. Obviously, we've lost Dara O'Shea, and nobody really wanted that. But it is, you know, it is where we are. But I still see that. I still see a, a great opportunity, to be honest, for any any would-be investors. I really do. Um, maybe that's me just being, I say, misty-eyed and attached to the whole situation in the club. But it's, it's such a, as I say, such an establishment of English football. Um, and yeah, bigger. You could argue bigger clubs in Albion have fallen lower, haven't they? You could e- easily, you know, could really off a few few names who have struggled to get back out of League One and stuff. But yeah, I I, I see it as a as an opportunity, and I, I do agree with Mars. It was one of the things I really agreed with, and it was interesting to hear it from him that he, he was quite firm and strong about. Oh, I'm sure there will be plenty of interest in. it. Did you read between the lines there, Lewis? That there. There is potential interest now. We've heard about this consortium in inverted commas a few, you know, about a month ago, which you know, yes, 
um, they were involved in the failed takeover of Charlton previously. Um, you know, there was a lot of negativity around it. It led to a letter being sent, I think, from the local MP, uh, which we've all read about. Is, you know, that seems to have gone quiet now. You know, and what we have heard is, you know, if there's any solid interest in Albion, it won't be coming out in leaks like that, you know, because of various, you know, yeah. agreements that are signed, etc. But from what, you know, it sounds there that Mark Miles was speaking very strongly, you know, reading between the lines. Quite, would, you be, quite, would, you be, would you be surprised if there wasn't, you know, no, any anyone at the moment having discussions or, or, or looking at Albion? No, I wouldn't be surprised at all. And that's not to say I think anything's imminently going to happen, you know, on a, on a big scale like that. But look, the publicity of, you know, the reports of the club being on the market will only help, obviously, garner interest. You know, people, consortiums, individuals, businessmen who, who are interested will only see that. And obviously it helps. But, you know, it's it's... It is at group level, that kind of thing, you know, Zuki and obviously, you know, Lai and his, his people obviously in China will will be dealing with that, will be fielding that kind of thing. Um, Mark Mars did caveat it by by saying that this is group level discussions and, you know, obviously we, we know about his position, but you're right, reading between the lines, he was very strong on it. And I don't I don't think that would be the case if, you know, if it, if it was quiet, if the club was desperate and hadn't heard it. A pin drop, you know, it was, you could hear a pin drop. Hadn't heard a whisper about any, any sort of would-be interest. Um, obviously, there's a lot to, there's a lot to agree on. There's a lot to get right, isn't there? We know that um, the big loan that had to be taken and and so on, um, missing monies from the, from China as well, um, which we know about. So, yeah, but I, I go back to my point. I I, I just think um, I think there's an opportunity for the right people ready to be grasped. I really do. Um, Look, the right people might not be ready, or they might take some finding. We can only hope the next owners are the right people, can't we? Clearly, uh, the club desperately needs it. Obviously, I just think there's an opportunity there. Uh, 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 that's an attractive figure. Okay, they, it might take them a while to turn it round and revive Lies ownership and recover from it. But I think deep down, I mean, I'm, I'm hopeful that just some someone, some group ready there to strike and and come and lift the club up. I'm not quite off its knees. That's, I don't want to sound dramatic, but you, you get my point, you know, to lift it up from from the doldrums of the second tier and, and slide in any more into, you know, championship middling nothingness, you know. And if we hope this season coming, Carlos Corbin can deliver something, but look, we already spoke at the top of the show, didn't we, about where like his recruitment's at, what he's going to realistically be able to do with the squad here. You know, we've lost a top player in O'Shea and that's, that had to happen to bring money in, didn't it? To you know, to help operational fees and you know, due to no investment and obviously parachute payments, which is hard to take and say and swallow, isn't it? But look, yeah. And going back to the ownership and the investment thing, you, you know, we can but hope that serious talks uh, are around the corner. Just one question I'm going to ask you finally on this, and it's not in your list of questions, so uh, sorry for throwing you a curveball no, here, Coxie. No. Just keeping you on your toes on the, the first episode of the, of the season, and then we'll be going into the, the advert that you've all been waiting for. Um, <laughs> we mentioned a lot of Mark Mars. You know, we did re- refer to Ron Gourlay, you know, earlier in the in the show. Have you got any indication, Lewis, that we might hear why Ron Gourlay has maybe, let, maybe decided to, to, to leave Albion? Now, we know, the la- I think it was the last time he spoke to the press, um, I remember, you know, very vividly a clip. Um, I think it was a question that our colleague Rob Gurney from WM asked, you know, what would it take for you to sort of walk away on the back of, you know, failed repayments on these loans? 
Um, I think the, the line was he's sort of not a quitter, not a quitter at the time. Obviously, he has left the club now. You know, do we expect to ever really hear about why he with, might have left and with, why these changes have taken place? Was it caveat, caveated with I'm not a quitter and something like yet? Or something? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> something like yeah. that. Yeah, just to clarify, um, yeah. Which you could possibly read between the lines at the time, but yeah. uh, um, no, I mean it, that was sort of asked last week with with Mark Mars, and 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 they have been in touch, Mark Mars and Ron Gourlay. We we were told, but um, obviously look, private conversations there, and and that wasn't wasn't revealed by Miles. Um, and look, in terms of Ron Gourlay, NDAs, non-disclosure. You know, it's not it's not. Listeners may think it's as simple as you know maybe getting in touch with Ron and asking if he fancies an interview or, or even an off-record chat. You know, it it just doesn't um, doesn't really go like that. So, yeah, um, it would be nice, wouldn't it? And I, you know, we we can hope that further down the line, when people become more established in roles, you know, that that sort of comes comes clear. But I, look, I I think it's I think it's quite not not obvious, but. That, that Ron Gourlay was probably probably fair to assume reached the end of his tether with with the situation. You know, it, he it looked from where we were in terms of Ron and his not being at group level and his relations with with the ownership and what he wanted for the club. Um, they probably thought, you know, what 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 can I do here? What can I what can I achieve now? You know, I think it was it was a blow him leaving. I think I still think that. Um, so it had to lead to this reshuffle and you know, a change in dynamic, but look, it have had his reasons. It, it, it's hard. It, it's hard to speculate, isn't it? Like there could be, you know, it could be personal reasons mixed in there. Like you know, this is a was Ron late fifties, sixty was he? Um, element of him thinking, I probably don't need this. You know, in terms of the, the hassle and you know, work related troubles and stress, you know, not not an easy gig. Let's be fair, um, chief exec of club at the moment the situation where it is with the ownership but you know maybe thought look I can't I, I don't feel like I can get anywhere here and you know we can, we can understand and appreciate that and again I'm, I'm I'm speculating there I'm thinking out loud you know the situation could could be different to that but that's how um that's the most obvious thing that strikes for me yeah no it's uh, it's a good analysis Cox is right time for an advert we're back this week and the kettle and toaster man is back as well for another season after sponsoring our podcast here at the Express Star in the last campaign, they are back this season for season number two with even more great products for your household and your kitchen. And I'll tell you what, Coxie, I got to see one of the Kettle and Toaster Man products up close and personal oh, yeah. recently. I was, uh, Albion fans will sort of shudder to know I was over at the Molyneux earlier this summer helping our uh, helping our colleagues with the, our Express and Star colleagues with their live podcast. Uh, now, I did get a bit of Albion, did get a bit of Albion related stick uh that night but uh sort of took it all in good grace anyway they had a they had a game show and and some very fortunate lady won a kettle and a toaster from the kettle and toaster man i did i was on a bit of a nose sort of at the side of the stage um and they looked like some top quality products so you want to get yourself along to the kettle and toaster man get your hands on not just a kettle or a toaster he's got so many great products down there uh, you can search online at catlandtoasterman.co.uk and go to Thorns Road in Briley Hill. And I believe we're going to be heading to Catland Toasterman HQ in a yeah. in a few months' time, Coxie, to to have a little look round. Might even bring you might even bring you a podcast from the place itself, the Catland Toasterman. I think Man. so, Danny. We need to take it on the road again, don't we? I think that's a bit that's a bit more on trend than um, the M54 Telford services. I would I would argue. Um, yeah, or the A55 going up to North Wales. 
while driving. <laughs> yeah, a little bit less dangerous than that. Yeah, uh, that was that was so long ago. It seems, yeah, I sort of slipped my mind. But that was um, that was quite the experience, wasn't it? McDonald's spotting. We might have to do a series, you know, like the uh, like like Gary Neville and Roy Keane have done with the overlap on the yeah, on the road. You know, I don't know if Coxie and Drury on the road sort of has got <laughs> has got a ring to it, but um, it has, but... mate. It, it has. <laughs> We'll yeah, but uh, but there you go. Kettle of Toast Man at Cody UK. Thank you very much again for your sponsorship for the forthcoming season. Right, Coxie, questions. We're going to rattle through these questions because yep. we've got loads of them. Uh, Richard Downing gets in touch. Do you think Ian Pierce has been promoted just to keep Carlos happy? Because you have to question the job Pierce has done since he's been at the club. He has failed at he has fa- sorry, he has failed and at any other club he would have been out the door. Cheers for your question, Richard. Um Interesting one, really, Cox. It's probably a difficult one to answer, but yeah, sort of, you know, Ian Pierce yeah, I mean, has, has maybe not done as well as he should have done in the time he's been at Albion. I'm sure he'll be judged again on this window. Well, in, term, in terms of Carlos, they got a, you have a close working relationship and a good dynamic, as far as I understand. So I don't see any issues there. Um, I would say at the moment, going back. Going back a year, twelve months, probably longer, realistically, but eighteen months, two years. It's it's not that's far from the easiest gig at the moment, isn't it? Let, let's be fair, and it's it's getting more and more difficult, clearly. And this is not this is I'm not looking to make any excuses here. I'm looking at factors and reasons. Um, look, as we touched on earlier, Alvin's still attractive, and look what they're able to do last summer in terms of the freeze. They're able to get the best free agents. Um, in what people judged to be the best free agents in the championship, weren't they? So t- tougher gig, you, you could argue this summer. I mean, you know, it was also able to go and find a little little gem in a Thomas Asante who'd been tracked and and bring a signing like that in. And that's clearly how Albion sort of needs to operate now. So it needs to continue producing in that front. But the fact that the question sort of from, from Richard there was asked, you know, was his role promoted to keep Carlos happy. I mean, that, that in itself is suggesting that Carlos is a, is a fan of Ian Pearce and, and they get on. And I've heard nothing but praise from, from Corbyn on Ian Pearce. So I think going back, you know, Ian Pearce came in in late 2018 and a lot of damage was done, dare I say. Is, is that, I don't know if you'd go along with that, Johnny, but, you know, these, these long Premier League contracts that have sort of drained, drained finances and, yeah. you know, you could say continue to. Um, lengthy deals, you know, still some players around from well before, obviously, in Pierce's time on, on good money. Um, Transfer dealings as well, the fees paid, you know, we're yeah. still feeling the the impacts of that, you know, yeah, you, you, you only have to look, you know, we we had our transfer rumours column the other day and there was a little piece in there about Oliver Burke signing for Birmingham City, you know, you know it's not in a two-year yeah. pass, that album had £15 million for someone like Oliver Burke. You know, he's well, there's the, so many, aren't there? there, there there's so many, and, and there's and a lot of examples. There are there are recent examples, aren't there? Look look at um, look at Grady Dean Garner's buy and and Carlin Grant, and they're two pricey examples. They're two different examples. Um, you know, I don't. Uh, Grady was a, initially a twelve million fee buy, wasn't he? And and look after that loan, where it helped bring you know Premier League football back. Yeah, obviously, I wasn't reporting on the club at the time, but I, I imagine every Albion fan was dancing at the news that Albion had bought him in. You know, West Ham top prospect, wasn't he? I remember all the Mark Noble out out. Rage about all of that, you know, getting getting one of West Ham's stars away. Yeah, 12 million was steep, but what, what was he, 21, 22? You look at Grant and, you know, it's it's obviously, I mean, you could, Dean Garner's not really worked out as everyone would have hoped for, would it? And, and Grant, another steep fee, still paying it, as we know. Um, 
sort of half worked for a season, you would say, scored a lot of goals. That's what they expected as a, as a striker, isn't it? But certainly not worked since. And uh, and someone the club would you know, be keen to you know, obviously hear offers for in their current situation. And so the, like, those those recruits are obviously on Ian Pierce's watch. And you know, we could debate those, couldn't we? Overspending, but I, I wouldn't say I've been overspent on Dean Garner. Um, I just think that's that's how it is, isn't it? Grants and another story. Um, and again, that's that's up for debate. But I think I think it's 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 harsh to put everything of all of the current recruitment issues on on his shoulders, even though he's had what four years at the club, four and a half. Um, existing problems go back well before him, don't they? And, and a lot of the constraints exist because of that, and obviously exist because of the the ownership. So yeah, yeah. In in a way, working with a hand tied behind his back, I would say. Um, but again, you know, like you said on Miles earlier, Johnny proofs in the pudding, isn't it? And you know, promoted to a, a higher role, it's uh, a big chance for him to deliver, but a, a tough job. Thanks for your question, uh, Richard. We got a lot of these to get through. We did say these episodes earlier in the season were going to yeah, be a little on, bit Johnny. shorter, we'll, but we'll we're gonna, but we're gonna, we've got so many questions, and it'll probably end up being the same length as usual. So, Baggies fans, well, Baggies broadcast fans, I'll certainly, certainly have Store some questions, couldn't we? We could. A quick one from uh, Anders Grot, who's got in touch. Welcome back. Answers will probably be provided by the time you record this, but neither Wallace or Dean Garner featured in the latest preseason um, album or Port Vale game. Uh, Foul was also left out. Any interest? Mm. Question mark. Um, and he put Armelumbi, Chalabert, and or Cleary close to full training. Coxie, I'm sure you'll get these answers tomorrow when you go to St George's yeah. Park. But I believe yeah. Wallace had a bit of a knock. I believe from what yeah, I was, I've been yeah. reading. To be honest, we we haven't um, we haven't been told that we, but that that would, as far as I can see and be aware, the the reasoning behind behind their absence. Um, like I say, we'll get it clarified tomorrow. We haven't had the chance to speak on footballing matters yet with with people at the club, um, so it's it's tough to speculate. But yeah, I, I don't see beyond beyond an injury. It's it's hard to say. Look, there's no interest in Wallace or or. Um, or that Albion won't sell Wallace or anything like that because you know we know the situation. If if a club came in with a juicy old, big, acceptable bid, then you know I'd have to be looked. But I, look, obviously Wallace is right at the top of the list of players Albion wouldn't want wouldn't want to move on. And and now with a Dairo shade deal, um, you know Albion can stand firm. But yeah, look, niggles and and the usual thing um, with players not featuring in the first one. Now, Albion have already been back in training over two weeks, I think it was, prior to that Port Vale game. So, so yeah, but as you said, Johnny, we're, we're, um, we're with the head coach tomorrow and, and having a peak at training, which I'm really looking forward to. And I believe all being well touched would we'll be able to bring a, a little video update after that, won't we? So, um, so definitely have an answer to that in hopefully a little over 24 hours from where we're speaking now. And, uh, yeah, just a bit of ring rust, I'd, I'd imagine, with those absentees in the first friendly. But it, decent to see a, a healthy win, wasn't it? And you can't read into friendly results, but, um, yeah. Better to, to see a win at this stage. Yeah, Ben Perkins has got in touch. Haven't had a hint of a transfer rumor this summer. Please, can you give us some good news on incomings, Ben? Unfortunately, uh, if you've listened to the start of this podcast, you'll know that, that is a no. But uh, it's interesting, isn't it, Lewis? Because you know, summer, you know, across the summer, you'll hear hundreds of different transfer rumors. You know, that's been the case with Albion for years. But this year seems to be different, and I, I think, I think. You know, a lot of fans will work this out, but it's purely down to the fact that no one really knows what Albion are going to do. No one really knows. We know that the finances are very, very restricted, but we just 
we we haven't got it clarified how restrictive. We know it's going to be freeze and loans and stuff, but I suppose the situation that Albion are off the field is leading to the fact that you know yeah. there's not a lot of these rumours around. You know, there certainly what isn't a Dwight Gale rumour around, which has been around for about the last eight years. What, a, what about Pereira? Well, Pereira, well, there, I think that one's yeah. been quashed. That one down well, a bit no. of a Twitter Twitter fire a few weeks ago, didn't it? Uh, yeah. Well, the landscape's just totally changed, hasn't it? I mean, Ollie Burke has been mentioned a few times on this pod today, hasn't he? Use that as an example. Now, these, those going back are high-profile deals. When I've been a you know, offering big millions of pounds, you know, tens of millions for, for players. These are a bigger, more high-profile deals for more high-profile players from more high-profile clubs. And you, know, you get more, you've got more people involved and then rumours become more likely for obvious reasons. The landscape has changed with Albion's targets. Yes, they'll still hopefully be dealing with bigger clubs higher up the levels when it comes to the loans and the players. And as I say, we don't expect that to kickstart for a little while. And obviously... Yeah, there's a chance of high-profile free agents. Of course there is, but free agents, we know they want to sort of hang around, knock around and hope for the best best terms, don't they? So, you know, with the with the pool that Albin are, are looking at, looking to, it's it's just markedly different to how it was even a few years ago, isn't it? It's it's just a total different demographic. You know, I've heard one or two names from clubs down the levels and it's, it's, it's not where Albin fans would be used to their... They're good buying players for looking at players from, but that's just just how it is now. And um, and yeah, it's it's unfortunate, but look again, this is a reality of where we are. We've said it before, haven't we? Um, just a side note to that, I'm hoping Johnny will have a couple of pieces in the coming days um, that I've been working on, just about you know not not about would be targets really, not not players we know to be targets, but about about potential um, additions, yeah, you know, further down the pyramid. That I hope. Um, supporters and, and listeners and readers will find of interest. So, yeah, a little sneak preview there. Keep an eye out for them. Uh, Baggy's Al is back. We had a few questions from Baggy's Al last season. Thank you very much for getting back in touch. Taking your journalist hat off and looking looking at it from a fan's point of view, what's your feeling on the season? I think it's just more aimed at myself, Lewis, being a fan rather than uh, yourself. Nah. Um, so I'll give you a bit of a rest on this one. Um, looking at it from a fan's point of view, what's your feelings on the season ahead? It's probably the least excited I've been for a season in a long time. The only thing giving me hope slash optimism is Carlos at the moment. Intrigued on your thoughts. Yeah, it's a good it's a good point. It's a very unique season. Um, I think even going into last year, you know, even the fact that there was a sort of negativity around, you know, Steve Bruce being at the Albion helm, there was a little bit, you know, we, we were all a little bit more positive, weren't we? John Swift had come in and Jed Wallace, two of the, you know, the top championship performers from the previous season. Okai Akushli returned. Um, and Albion signed some, you know, signed well last summer. And we all thought, you know, they're going to be challenging potentially in the top two. This time it's, you know, like we said, we've said the word reality a lot in this episode today. You know, it's the reality of the situation. Albion are no longer a big fish in the pond. Yes, they're one of the bigger fish, but clubs have come down. Albion have now had two basically mid-table, you know, or just above mid-table championship finishes. Um, so things change. Things have, you know, the tectonic plates of the championship have shifted now. Albion aren't eating at the top table. Um, Very geographical there, Johnny. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I didn't have that one written down. No. Um, but Albion have moved, you know, they, they aren't at the top table anymore of the championship. Um, yes, they, you know, there's still a, you know, if if you're a young player, you know, like a Brandon Thomas Asante further down the divisions, you know, a move, a move to West Brom is still attractive, but Albion aren't, you know, not, you've got Leeds there, you've got Southampton who've come down, Leicester have come down, you know, big club, big Premier League clubs. Um, 
and they're already big clubs still in the championship. You know, Albion are competing Coventry, Middlesbrough, the likes, you know, Sunderland. Um, so Albion aren't at that upper reaches. But in terms of thoughts going into the season, um, quietly optimistic, um, just because, like you say, Carlos Corbran is there. We saw what he did with, you know, just over three quarters of a season um, or just under three quarters of a season, I think it was. You know, obviously at times it wasn't great. He was working with restrictions, you know, injuries, et cetera, et cetera. I'm excited to see what he's going to do after a full pre-season. Yes, these players, some of them, there's question marks around a lot of them. I think there will be some of business and it will be, I think it'll end up being good business. It might be players that we've never heard of or have heard very little about. Um, but I'm quietly confident. I think the expectations are lower this time. I think a lot of the fan base are... You know, we'd be happy to sneak in the playoffs or have a a season where we're competitive moving towards the playoffs. Um, but yeah, I think it's expectations low, and I think Carlos can do something. But yeah, it's a it's a unique season for for you know I, I'm not sure how old Baggy's Al is, but for certainly my generation because it's probably the first one where we're not you know not guaranteed. You know, you're never guaranteed promotion or survival, but you know even going to last even into last season, a lot of us were expecting top two. You know, or at very least top four this season we're not. Right. I'm going to been... be um, sorry. Sorry to. I thought you answered that excellently, mate. And I think, yeah, but I just I'm going to be cheeky and ask for a little follow up there. And I'm sure Baggy's will hopefully appreciate it. But and and this is a this could be a whole pod in itself another day. But to to sneak into those playoffs as, as we stand now, how how much work do you see needing? On, on the squad you know we're, we're still expecting big work on the squad we are you mm. know Carlos wants players out as well as in obviously we know that's difficult but you know we're, we're breaking it down just in terms of numbers and, and positions and this doesn't have to be a long answer but you, you know, for me I think the squad needs quite a bit to mm. be in a position just to get into that you could flip that and say look with the squad last season Corbran took it there from bottom you know, you yeah, well, if you look over, if you look over points per game, and if Corbran was in charge yeah. from the start of the season with that squad, yeah. Albion, Albion would have been, you know, very yeah, much in yeah. there, probably in the fight. It's an interesting question. I, in terms of numbers, it's very difficult, and yeah, it's difficult to look at now because you'd, you'd say like you look at Albion's squad now, and you say it's a better squad than what Luton's squad was at the start of last season. Yeah, and look what they did. So it's very difficult to say, but I think, I think they're all right in the middle of the park. It, it, all, it all depends on departures, doesn't it? You know, right. it's fully expected. Isn't it? It's, it's I hard. think I think positions they need to go, they need to go out and get another striker. I think you know, yeah, we're going to have DK back at some point, uh, but there's always going to be question marks around his fitness. Thomas Asante is in there. Albi need another striker to compete. Yeah. Um, I think they need another winger or two. Yeah. You know, going and looking at wingers like you know Matt Phillips. Yeah. He, he had, he, had, he was in blistering form on the call round before he got injured, but he did get injured and he has had a history of being injured. Um, Dean Garner as well, question marks on him, whether he'll leave his injury, you know, his injury list isn't the most, you know, he's not the most consistent player when it comes to injuries. I think we look at the back, um, it'd be interesting to see what direction Corbrand goes in terms of defenders, really, because yeah. obviously O'Shea's gone, you've got Caleb Taylor in there, you've got, um, you've got the likes of um, Kipras come back in, you know, Bartley, but there are question marks around them. Previously at Albion, obviously Eric Peters has resigned, semi Ajay. Um I think the youngsters play a big part and the impact they make in the summer. I what I think what them youngsters need to look to or look at is an example set on, in the Billich um era. And I thought about this the other day. You know, Nathan Ferguson came through in that summer under under Slavin Billich. No one no one ever heard of Nathan Ferguson really before that. 
really a real Albion boffins who'd looked at the youth team and knew who was coming through. But Nathan Ferguson came from nowhere. I think he was a centre-half, a small centre-half in the youth team. Um, Billich liked him that summer. All of a sudden, he went on and played like 20-odd games that, that yeah. first part of that season. You know, Unfortunately, he was sold to Crystal Palace and he's had rotten luck with injuries at Crystal Palace since then. Um, but that those opportunities that could be there more than ever this season. And if Albion youngsters grasp them, a lot, I think a lot will depend on, on how much they impress Corbrand because, you know, the amount of youngsters Albion have got coming through, there could be three or four of these guys who could potentially start for Albion or be right. starters yeah. for Albion. And I think that will play a big part in, in, in the transfer, you know, in the transfer market. Albion need, you know, don't get me wrong, in I think we'll Albion need four, five, six signings, whether they'll get them, I don't know. But how impressed Corbyn is by his youngsters will probably play a part in the amount of transfers that come in this summer. Yeah, I wrote about that this morning actually, didn't I, in our in our um exclusive yeah. newsletter for people signed up. Just that there is yeah, you know, circumstances dictate there's a real chance for mentioned a, a half a dozen or seven or eight names in, in that newsletter piece uh this morning. I think I, I genuinely think there's a chance for all of them, just circumstances and not being able to get yeah, who or the number Albion one. I think they have to they have to look, they have to use these players. And every, everything I've heard from from people in and around it is that there's there's a real real opening here. Um, just before I forget to do it, Johnny, just a, a little quick follow up. I can bring some information um, on on Albion looking this summer and where they're looking. From what I understand, uh, from what I gather, they're look they're looking down the left. Um, so they're looking left sided centre half, obviously someone who can play, you know, be it on the left as a uh, centre half two or left as a as a back three. Looking left back as well. So again. That could well be the same player, someone who can do both. You know, a bit of a younger Peter Peter's option. They're looking on the left flank. You mentioned a winger. That's from what I understand. They're looking looking at someone who naturally whose natural game is that side. A bit of a Grant, I suppose, but obviously we know Grant's situation is you know that, that hasn't hasn't obviously worked. And uh, as far as I'm aware, looking obviously clearly looking for for number nines. We we know that at least at least one. I would say they need depending on the youngsters, maybe one more, and also a ten as well. You know, to be, be it to, to to push Swift, to compete with Swift, a real attack-minded central player. Um, Rogic was, was clearly one last year, wasn't he? And it, uh, it didn't work at all. So, so yeah, there are the positions. Um, which is interesting, really, for, I say, I understand that information to, to be accurate, but you would you would have naturally thought right, wouldn't you? Right, right back, I mean, certainly. Uh, you know, yeah. said for years, you know, Furlong needs your competition at, at the very least, and Obviously, Gardner Hickman, but but yeah, um, very much a, a look at, at the left flank um, this summer, and and that will be interesting. Just to you know, might narrow down some some options and some targets as to as to certainly who they're looking at. Yeah, no, that's interesting. Cheers for your question, Baggies. Now we've added a few to that. That's a, a very long answer for me and Coxie there. Yeah. Um, Carl Burkett has got um, in touch. Carl is a friend of the pod. Welcome back, boys. Do you think there will be many incomes in the first window, or will it be used to offload work with what we have? And possibly dip into the second window in January. Interesting take, really interesting we question. Had we had it, we reported, and we had it because um, we had it confirmed by Mark Mars last Friday, didn't we? That I think we carried it at the start of this week that it's incomings are not dependent on outgoings. So it's not that we need to see X, Y, and Z or X and Y or whoever leave before we start seeing additions. Yeah, that's that's not how it is. I think in terms of spending fees. On a player, even even something nominal like Brandon Thomas Sante, was oh, that three hundred grand? Even an addition like that, a half a million or whatever. We were told last week it depends on 
fees in. Now, obviously, we've already had the seven million dollar O'Shea fee in, and that that helps the club significantly, um, just in terms of balancing the books. And as as we had it put to us, not be um, taking the Mickey out of basically with with future offers and stuff like that. But but any fees in will impact and influence tran- transfer fees. Um, and we don't expect big transfer fees, do we? We don't expect millions to be chucked around on players um, of, of that kind of standing and profile. But it, it, the fees that Carlos Govan would have to pay for it, and you know, this is speculating, a highly rated League One player uh, with 12 months left on his option, for, for an example. From what, what we hear and we're told is, is dependent on those fees coming in for, for players going out. So there's that as well, isn't there? There's, there's being sort of shackled until... They can generate those fees by the players going out. Now, obviously, we know loans and, and frees are a, a different beast to that. And we spoke about loans being something that comes later on, which is frustrating, but just how it works. And the free transfer market is just, well, it's a law unto itself, isn't it? It's 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 those players, you know, probably still being on holiday for one, but, you know, having to, having to look around and trying to, trying to barter and trying to bargain around and just see where they can get, get their best offer. And, Oh, it's frustrating for all of us, isn't it? You know, Carl will be no different to any other Baggies fan listening, but that's that's where it is, yeah. Cheers for your question, Carl. We've got a lot more that we're not going to have a chance to get through today, so we'll we'll bank them up and we'll uh, we'll get them boxed yeah. off for you before the end of the season. Final one I'm going to go with from Sunil Patel. Um, Sunil's asked, can you see Alex Mowat having a more important part to play this season or will he play second fiddle to OK Chalabert Lumbee or, or will he even be offloaded again? Interesting. I think he played a part against Port Vale. Uh, I think he sat one of the goals. Yeah. He's got a couple of assists, I think, involved in yeah, a couple of them. I think um, so. Look, I, uh, in my opinion, um, he's in the list of players that Albion will, will happily listen to offers for. That's how. That's how I see it. Like he's had a loan where in the division where he's a semi-regular. Can't can't speak to him. Obviously, I didn't watch Borough every week. I've heard snippets. Spent time out the side. Didn't he then back in? Um, I don't think he'll be near pushing into Carlos Corbran's ideal first choice eleven if, as expected, Yukushlu and Malumbia are still on the scene. I don't, I don't see that. He's clearly a different type of midfielder to those. But I think we've said all summer, haven't we? That Albion can't be too picky here. If you know, if if this isn't a first, certainly if this isn't a first choice eleven player, Albion have to be open. And if clubs will come in with with an offer, and that's the big if, isn't it? If there's a club out there in the Championship at the top of League One that see Moa as available as a, an ideal starting player for them and will come in and offer a, a sum, then I think Albion will listen and try and work it because you know, these are players, for me, very much in the category that, that can be can be moved on for, for a value. Whatever whatever value that is, is up for debate, isn't it? Who you know We could all have opinions on what we think Alex Moa will bring in this summer. Same for Cedric Kipra. Those two feel very much together, don't they, as having those two loans last season and you know, from what we hear and understand, Kipper did well at Cardiff, and and you, you you know you'd sort of wager they would be interested in paying a fee for his services, but obviously that remains to be seen. Um, and and Albion can't be picky, can they? They're in a situation where they have to make work whatever they can make work. And that's not me. That's not me saying Carlos Corban doesn't fancy him. I'm I'm sure, and it's hard for me to comment because I didn't see him last season. I'm sure he can be a capable player at this level, but I just think in the circumstance. I just don't think we can be too emotive on these things and hang on to too many like what if players like that. No, no, it'll be interesting to see what happens with uh, with Mo. Cheers for your questions, Baggies fans. Really appreciate that. We're almost out of time on episode one of season seven. Coxie, it's good to be back. 
Yeah, you know, dusting the dusting the cobwebs off. Our listeners enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, apologies, this was meant to be shorter. But to be fair, we got into a few interesting bits there, didn't we? So, and we had you know no shortage of questions to answer. And yeah, not not being on for a while, it feels only right to answer them as best we can. Obviously, we'd like to bring more, wouldn't we? But um, some things we'll be able to clear up a bit more from after tomorrow. So that's exciting, isn't it? We've got a chance to obviously speak with the head coach and few more people as well and then we'll be into the friendlies won't we from next week so some actual on grass stuff to chat about which will which will be nice in in the absence of uh of any additions so in all seriousness let's hope let's hope there's some new faces holding an albion scarf before long yeah let's hope so we hope to see uh the wheels the wheels start to turn you enjoy your day at st george's park on uh, on wednesday leave Thank early I've been there before. The driveway is the longest driveway in the world. So it'll probably take you about an hour to get down that. But uh, have I've fun. Been, so, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, really. Have fun. Looking forward to uh, to hearing what uh, what goes on. We'll be talking about that uh, next week. Hopefully bring you a, l- a little bit of audio from uh, from the main man, Carlos Corbrand, as well. I'm sure you're going to get a chance to speak to him uh, at St George's Park. And it is good to be back. Things are slowly starting to, to turn at Albion. We hope they turn a little bit quickly. But pre-season is back. We're back. And proper football is almost back. It's on the horizon. Thank you very much for listening to this latest or this new episode of the series of the Baggies Broadcast. And until next week, as always, boing boing. Boing boing. <laughs>